raw. Harmony in Hiding, a four-part series by Michael Paul Tomset, adapted from the book Hiding Horst, Memoirs of a Jewish Boy by Becky White. Produced by Raw Spoken, with help from Ross Alternative Works, now known as New Works at Ross Valley Players. This true story begins as Fred Ferber recalls his youth in Amsterdam. The Nazis killed my grandfather. They barged into his shop and beat him to death with clubs. They evicted my grandmother and seized all their personal belongings. My grandmother fled Chemnitz, Germany, and lived with us in Amsterdam. For weeks and weeks, her eyes were swollen from crying so much. Night after night, I lay in bed listening to her weep. For the first four years after his murder, I had been obsessed with horrendous images. All I know is that they beat him to death, but my imagination produced some vivid details that dominated my waking thoughts, turning my dreams into nightmares. Now, those people who know me personally may tell you that I'm generally a happy person and enjoy life. But am I bitter about what happened? Well, maybe a little. But the fact is, many people are responsible for my existence, responsible for me being able to have a family of my own and grow old. To be bitter about what happened would make their sacrifice mean nothing. They risked their own lives hiding me. They didn't know me, but they risked their lives anyway. They risked their lives for what was right. This is their story as well. It all started on my 12th birthday, December 17th, 1941. All my dreams were coming true. My parents finally gave me piano lessons with a neighbor, Mrs. Kowalski. I would attend promptly every week to lose myself in the perfect world of melody and harmony. I loved not only its beauty, but also its perfectly strict order. Little did I know of the deadly disorder outside the comfort of my sheltered world. But in the spring of 1942, I had a rude awakening from my melodic dreams. I was walking home from my lesson, flying high about something Mrs. Kowalski had just said to me. Oh, little Horst, with dedication, you will someday play for kings. Horst is my given name. I hate it. It was an old-fashioned name. I don't know where my parents got it. I almost think it was just a cruel joke at my expense. So, I go by Fred. <laughs> what, what makes it even worse is the fact that there was a popular song sung by a Nazi youth idol that coincidentally was also named... Horst! With dedication, you will someday play for kings. She just about pinched my cheeks off. I was so thrilled. I couldn't wait to tell Mama about my lesson. Mama! Mama! Mama? Your Mama and Papa have gone. Where'd they go, Grandma? On a business trip. Go wash for supper. But they didn't say goodbye. They were in a hurry. Tonight we will eat. But Grandma... Go wash your hands. Supper is ready. When will they be back? Horst, 
Tonight, we will eat our supper in peace. Now go wash your hands. The next day, my grandma didn't explain anything. My parents couldn't telephone me. Jews weren't allowed. So I would watch the mailbox every day. Did we get a letter from Mama? Go practice the piano. That was her answer for everything. She seemed to get just as much escape and comfort out of it as I did. A few days passed. I walked into the dining room to find my grandmother crying as she tore up a piece of paper. Grandma? Yes, Horst. Is that a letter from Mama? No, it's not from your Mama or Papa. Are they... Are they dead? No, no. The letter is not about them. It's from the authorities. The latest list of Jews to be taken away. Not you. Nope, not me. Then who? Is there someone we know on the list? One of our neighbors? Tell me it isn't Mrs. Kowalski. No. Then who? Your name is on the list, Horst. No. I have school in the fall. I don't want to work in a factory. What about my piano lessons? Wait, were Mama and Papa on the list? I think I feel sick. The letter says you must report to the train station. I thought they only deported grown-ups. Today you will go with Mr. DeHogue. No. No, I won't. I won't. I want to wait here for Mama and Papa. Horst, you will do as I say. Yes, today you will go with Mr. DeHogue this afternoon. Please, Grandma. I don't want to leave you. You will go with him. It's the only way. But first, you will eat your lunch. Now go wash your hands. That's him now. Wait here. If Papa were here, he wouldn't let him take me. Come in, Mr. DeHogue. We have cheese, too, if you prefer that to jam. There's no time to eat. I must deliver Horst before dark. It's time. We must leave now. Horst, I love you. Never forget that. I love you too, Grandma. My grandmother and I embraced. She did not want to let go of me. <laughs> Mr. DeHogue had to physically pry her away from me. We must go now, and we must go quickly. I'm sorry. Take me too. Please. Please. Take me to Mrs. Steinberg, your name is not on the list. For now, it is safer for you to stay here. It is Horst who must go. <laughs> I remember thinking, if, if they, they searched, searched my, my face, would they know I'm Jewish? Get on board. Can you reach the strap? Yes, sir. Just keep looking down. Suddenly, something very scary happened. Gestapo, hold the train. Keep calm. Don't move. Ralph Walbum, is there a Ralph Walbum in this car? I will ask one more time. We know there is a Ralph Walbum on this trolley. If my question is received with silence again, everyone on this train will be shot. Ralph Walbum. Him! That is Ralph Walbaum? No! No! I didn't do anything wrong! I'm not a Jew! 
So help me! I'm not a Come Jew! Come Mr. Walbum. Let's not make it any but more difficult. I'm not a Jew! I'm a Protestant! Shut up, Jew! Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. On behalf of the but Gestapo, we apologize for the delay. Have a pleasant trip. But I'm not a Jew! No, I swear I'm not a Jew! I'm not! I was so afraid, I, I, I wanted to cry. I wanted to hug my mother in the worst way. I silently repeated, rescue, rescue me, Lord, Lord please. please. Rescue me, Lord. Rescue me, Lord. Please, rescue me, Lord. Keep up. Mr. DeHoog began to walk fast. It was hot, my lungs ached. We finally arrived at a house. This is Horst. Hello, Horst. I am Annie. This is Mr. Laindert. He is deaf, but he can speak. You may call him Ohm Lane. Uh, that's Dutch for Uncle Lane. I'm glad to meet you, Ohm Lane. He can't hear you. Here, see? Take this tablet and write down anything you wish to say. De Hoog wrote something down and touched Ohm Lane on the shoulder, showing him the tablet. Ohm Lane read it and looked at me, pointing up to the ceiling. Attic. This way, please. You'll be staying in the attic. Mrs. Landert brought me upstairs to the attic, where I was delighted with the best surprise ever. Mama! Papa! I was so worried! I know, sweetheart. Grandma wouldn't tell me where you'd gone. Today, my name was on the list. I thought Mr. DeHogue was taking me to the train station to be shipped to a work camp. I know. It must have been terrible for you. It's all right now. Why did you leave like you did? Our names were on the list. We had no choice. Right, Papa? We decided that we'd rather hide and wait it out than work in a Nazi factory. Why didn't Grandma tell me you were still in Amsterdam? She thought it would be best not to. If you had been questioned, we didn't want you to- To have to lie. They can tell when a person is lying. Well, why did Grandma lie to me? What did she say? She said I had to go with Mr. DeHoog, that it was the only way. The less you knew, the safer you were. She may have misled you, but she didn't lie to you. Today, when Mr. DeHoog told us that your name was on the latest list, we arranged for him to bring you here. The Landerts will hide us until the war is over. As Mama and Papa were saying farewell to Mr. DeHoog, I crossed to a window to see outside. Omeline came in the room right at that moment and saw me. Get back. Is he stupid? Mama ran to me and pulled me away from the window. Never stand in front of a window. I'm sorry. I didn't know. We should have told you first thing. If we are arrested, the Landerts will be arrested too. Come, let me show you where we eat and sleep. It's small, but cozy, yeah? I was so afraid. I know. It's all right now. Despite the fleas and the lice, that night I fell into the first restful sleep I had in weeks. I was so pleased to wake up and see my parents next to me, realizing it wasn't a dream. I felt safe with them around. Good morning. Good morning, son. Rest well? Yes, Papa. Good. There are a few things we should go over. Speak in whispers, and as you learned last night, never go near a window. We must not be seen from the street, and don't walk around except when absolutely necessary, then only on stocking feet. 
I know that sitting quietly hour after hour, day by day, will be difficult, son, but it's the only way. And don't make any unnecessary noises. Anyone who suspects that the lane nerds are not alone could report them. When the buzzer sounds, we must rush into a special hiding place. Show him, Harry. Come. I followed Papa to a corner in the attic. This is it. He removed a roughly cut plank, revealing a narrow crawl space between the walls, wide enough for us to stand. Home Lane made it. It was crudely constructed and flimsy. Well, what do you think? Do you think it's safe? Sure it's safe. You don't think they'll find us here? Not if we're quiet enough. Home Lane and Annie are very kind to hide us here. Mama! Stay here. She'll come here. I'm here. I'm here. Don't worry, Horst. Probably nothing. Good morning, Mrs. Lindert. See? It's Mr. DeHogue. Nothing to worry about. Horst? Mr. DeHogue has something for you. Hello, Horst. I brought you some clothes. Thank you. You're welcome. How is Grandma? She's all right. She's glad you're with your Mama and Papa. Maybe Grandma can come and stay with us soon. Right, Mama? There's no room for her here. Just barely enough room for us. I just thought... Huh. You thought. My son the thinker. We didn't see Mr. DeHogue for a long time after that day. Door-to-door -door searches were beginning to be commonplace. We lived every day in fear of that door buzzer. Home Lane had no job. He was always home. From the start, I had a feeling I should avoid him. Bedtime did prove challenging. Remember how happy Grandma and Grandpa Steinberg would be when we left horse with them and drove away for the day? <laughs> Harry, you're so romantic. I remember when our eyes met. It was like a kiss. Stop scratching. Harry, tell your son to stop scratching. Try to lay still, son. This mattress has fleas. Look at my arm. Look at all those bites. Try not to scratch them. And I did try. I tried with all my might not to scratch or fidget. It was torture. One night I got very ill. Sleeping was impossible. Papa, I'm hot. Go get a drink. Don't make a sound. I walked down the attic stairs as quietly as possible. But, of course, each step I took caused the wood to creak as loud as a train screeching to a halt. I couldn't go fast because not only was I very dizzy due to the illness, but it was absolutely pitch black due to the blackout conditions. I made my way down the stairs and was slowly making my way to the kitchen when I walked right into what I thought was a wall. Oh. Sorry, Omlane. Stupid boy. Get out of my way. I collapsed on the floor. The last thing I remember was lying in bed listening to the voices. It's been three days. He's burning up. He has to have a doctor. Frito, you know that we can't leave here. DeHogue promised us a doctor. He's a man of his word. We just have to wait a little longer. If this is typhus, then waiting will kill him. Son, listen to me. Can you hear me? He's awake. 
What is four plus two? Plus two, plus two. Oh, Harry, don't quiz him. I have to know if my son is all right. I drifted away for a while. Then I heard more voices. She can't come here. It's terrible and unsafe. You must find a place for her. Just not this place. She is on the latest list, Harry. Friday will be too late. We may have no choice. Suddenly, I fell into a terrible nightmare. Grandma. Come back. My name is on the list. Take me with you. Take me with you. My name is on the list. My name is on the list. Is on the list. My name is on the list. Help me. I'm dead. We've got to keep him quiet. You're not dead. They're all dead. Bones. My bones. He's delirious. One afternoon, I opened my eyes and felt close to human again. I looked up and saw a man standing over me. You had a close call, young man. I know the risk that you take by being here. My son owes you his life, and we don't even know your name. I'm Harry Ferber. I'll be sure to repay the favor handsomely after this is over. What's your name, doctor? I have never seen you, and you've never seen me. Even your friend, Mr. DeHogue, doesn't know my name. Understand? Things seem to come back to normal until one fateful night when Annie forgot Umlane's precious gin. Where's my gin? Oh my god, I'm sorry. You forgot? Shh! What took you so long then, huh? Huh? No! What's so important you couldn't remember my gin? How long have you known me? You should know better, stupid bitch! Do something, Primo, Harry! What can I do? What stinks? You know I hate cooked cabbage. I'm done with you, no. stupid, no. ugly bitch! I have to help her. I made the cabbage instead of the slaw. It's my fault. No one's to blame but Lane Dirt. I will kill you, Annie! No. You stupid, stinking whore! No. You worthless bitch! Harry. Stay here. I'll go. Stay here with horse. God, help me! I followed and watched. Papa rushed to Umlane and grabbed his arm and pushed him to the floor. Umlane got up and charged at Mrs. Lane Dirt. And Papa got in between them, facing him, with his hand on Umlane's chest. Stop. Please. Papa cupped his ears and pointed to the window, hoping that Umlane would be reasonable enough to understand. Don't touch me. I will kill you too. No. Ungrateful. No, no, look at me. Look at me, please. Read my lips. We are most grateful. You are most generous. Papa bowed up and down at the waist, holding out open palms in gratitude. Elaine stared at Papa for a moment. Stupid Jew! They glared at each other in a silent standoff that seemed to last forever. Annie? Annie? That fat, deaf bastard hit you again? Annie? Annie? Answer! Answer, please! Shh! Go away. Please, please, go away. Don't 
worry, Annie. I'll call the police this time. That bastard won't touch you again. Harry, what are we gonna do? I don't know, Friedel. It's the police, quick. Okay, keep calm. Come here, Horst. Come on, Horst, get in. You're next, Friedel. Okay, shh. Let's try to breathe quietly. What is going on here? Is your husband drunk? The hog, thank goodness. <laughs> Annie, are you all right? <laughs> Mr. DeHogue, find a new place to hide my family, please. Get out! Get out tonight! Stupid Jews! Shh! Do I really need to remind you, Mr. Lindert, that you'll be arrested too if they are discovered? Mr. DeHogue gestured to Omlin being arrested as he spoke, pointing to him and pantomiming a pistol blowing his head off. Uh, I'm going to bed, stupid Jews. I'll look for another place, but it won't be easy. It's no longer just Jews that are afraid. Ever since the Dutch parliament was abolished, everyone is scared. Dutch Christians who hide Jews are sent to concentration camps and- I'll pay more. Harry, war shortages are worse than ever now. We receive barely enough bicycle parts to stay in business. Do what you can and be quick about it. It's just a matter of time before this drunken anti-Semite is fool enough to bring the authorities here. How could I have thought he was reliable? He fooled us both. It's the gin that makes him mean. I will do my best to find you another place. Thank you. I kept thinking about what Mr. DeHogue said about Dutch Christians who hide Jews that are being sent to concentration camps. What are concentration, concentration camps? camps? What happens to people who are sent there? How could the night sky shine so brightly and peacefully in a world filled with so much suffering? We didn't get much sleep that night. As always, morning came. I told him last night, Friedel. I instructed him to find us a new place. Harry, it took him two weeks to find Horst a doctor. I pray he'll be quicker about this. That neighbor of hers could be the death of us. Friedel, please. It's really not up to Mr. DeHogue. He has to wait for his underground connection. It takes time to find people that are willing to risk their lives for complete strangers. But time is something we don't have. I'll make breakfast. Go wash. Help your mother. Do I have to go out there? Don't worry. Lean Dart will be sleeping off his hangover until noon at least. Good morning, Mrs. Lane Dart. Mr. Lane Dart has taken ill and will spend the day in bed. I'll bet he's afraid of you, Papa. <laughs> no, he's just sleeping off his gin. We're the ones that should be afraid. Breakfast. Horst, get the door, will you? Thank you, sweetheart. Shut the door, please. He doesn't want to face you. Told you. Stop, please, both of you. I appreciate it, but this, this isn't the time for glib talk. Late that afternoon, Mr. DeHogue returned. I have good news and I have bad news. The good news first. The underground is working to relocate you as we speak. And the bad news? 
They can only provide for individuals. It is too dangerous to hide the whole family together. What? Many people are afraid to get involved. Even those brave enough to help are unwilling to hide more than one person. I'd rather stay here together than leave separately. Then I'll continue my own search, but without the underground. It could take longer and be more dangerous. I don't know whom I can trust. Wait, Friedel, we must be sensible. You said it yourself. Time is something we don't have. Who knows why the police didn't investigate a domestic disturbance last night? Especially with that neighbor. Next time, we won't be that lucky. No! I will not have our family separated. Horst will go first. No! How soon can you get him out of here? I'll take him now. Until we find him a permanent place, he can stay at my apartment. Thank you. Son, get your things. No. I'll come for his things later. Right now, we must hurry. Son, this war won't last much longer. I know, Papa. We will all be together again soon. Until then, be strong and, and brave. I will. Mama? Yes, my sweet. I'll be all right. Yes, you will. You are a good and smart boy. Wherever you go, do as you're told. I will. I love you, Horst. I love you too, Mama. Take care of my son, Mr. DeHogue, please. Of course, Harry. This concludes part one of Harmony in Hiding, starring Terence McGovern as Fred, Clark Schutz as Horst, Christine Lowry as Grandmother Steinberg and Annie Landert, Ken Adams as Mr. DeHoke, Victor Schutz as Papa, Margot Beely as Mama, Chad Yarish as Ohm Lane and Gestapo, also starring Lynn Lewis as Mrs. Kowalski, Woman and Neighbor, and Stephen Price as Walbum and Doctor. Richard Banghart, sound engineer and designer. Bruce Vieira, sound effects and original music. Michael Paul Tomset, director. A special expression of gratitude to Ross Valley players of Ross, California and Marin County for allowing us to record at their facilities. And to Ross Alternative Works, now known as New Works at Ross Valley Players. And to the late James Dunn, who were instrumental in the early development of this play. Special thanks to Becky White for her support in working with the late Fred Ferber and writing her book, bringing this wonderful story to us. Thanks to the College of Marin Music and Drama Departments for their undying support to local theater and artistic groups in Marin County. And a very heartfelt thank you to the late and great Fred Ferber and his entire family. Thank you, Fred, for telling your story, and thanks to the Ferber family for your blessing and support. Those who enjoyed this program will also enjoy Becky White's book, Hiding Horst, Memoirs of a Jewish Boy, which can be found at goodreads.com. Search by title. For those of you who may live in the area, visit the Ross Valley Players in Ross, California for good quality community theater. You can find them online at rossvalleyplayers.com. Raw.